Hi, everyone. We're back with the Stay Current podcast. And in this one, we're discussing Journal of Pediatric Surgery articles. I'm Ellen Cisco. My name is Azulia Hikena. We're research fellows at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. We're going to do something new. You might notice this is, if you're listening as this is released, it's coming out on a Monday. We're going to try to give you all of the new articles with the infographics that we release on some of our Mondays. And so today we're going to talk about two Journal of Pediatric Surgery articles from August of 2022. As a reminder, these articles are chosen by the editors of JPS. They tell us which ones they think are important to highlight. We talk to some authors, the editors, and, and bring you some key points from, from the articles. The editor we talked to for the August month was Dr. Pablo Laje. He's a pediatric surgeon at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And so we're going to get started this week with two articles. We have one out of uh, Children's Mercy, Kansas City on fund application. And then the other one is going to be about esophageal atresia and whether or not chest tubes should be placed during esophageal atresia repair. So let's start with the first one. Okay, so let's start. This article is called Fund Application Without Esophagocrylal Sutures, a Long-Term Follow-Up of a Randomized Clinical Trial. So first to add some context, the group at Children's Mercy Kansas City has actually been studying the technique for fund application for several years. They started out by looking at maximal versus minimal dissection. Uh, we were randomizing complete dissection to effectively as little dissection as you could do. That's Dr. Sam Peter, the senior author of this paper. And he's Surgeon-in-Chief and Senior Vice President at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. And in that study, we stopped it early because it was a six-fold difference in favor of no dissection. But both groups got four esophagocrural sutures. So we stopped doing dissection, but then we turned our attention in the second study to placing those esophagocrural sutures. And in short-term follow-up, they found no advantage to placing the esophagocrural sutures. Uh, now, what they did is they actually um, followed them for a longer period of time. They The median uh, for following is 8.7 years. Because we had done a long-term follow-up to see if the results held from the first study, and they did, we did a long-term follow-up in this most recent paper that we're discussing today to see if the results held, and they did. What they found is that they have... 56% that were um, that received four esophageal sutures and 44% that did not. And they found that none of the groups had a late rough herniation. Including readmissions, total hospital stay, and, and all the other things that go along with it, we didn't see a functional difference. So they conclude like long-term follow-up in children who underwent fund application without esophageal sutures is uh, safe and can be done. So one of the arguments that was made early on when we were doing this work is, yeah, you've made a safe fund application, but an ineffective one. And everything that we've compared, whether it be re recurrent aspiration pneumonia, recurrent alti spells, uh, recurrent apneic events. Even recurrent procedures for esophagogastric difficulties. What we found is that if anything, there's a trend toward a benefit to the less dissection. In, in no area that we've been able to measure does the complete dissection outperform minimal dissection. And there isn't just 
much data out there um, on this topic in, in kids. And that was Dr. Lahe, the editor that chose the articles. They published, uh, prior to this paper, several papers with the same and almost the same group of patients, you know, all along the way to just prove yet again and again and again that their initial hypothesis was still valid. So I thought, you know, it was a pretty powerful um, study to, you know, to read as a picture. And here's what Todd had to say about the article. Basically, what they're showing is you need to do minimal dissection and no esophageal curl stitches. Good study. All right, let's do the next article. We have the infographic for that article posted on social media and on the app if you want to take a look. And you can also find link below the link to read this full article plus the article that we're going to talk about next. And so the next article is called Whether Prophylactic Intraoperative Chest Drain Insertion in Esophageal Atresia, Tracheoesophageal Fistula is an Evidence-Based Practice or Just a Prejudice, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. And this one is, um, is coming out of India. And so we talked to the first author, Dr. Anand, about the study. This is Dr. Sachit Anand. I am a consultant at All India Institute of Medical Sciences, New Delhi, India. And um, basically, they did a systematic review and meta-analysis of papers that included a comparison the outcomes for patients who had a chest tube or a chest drain inserted after esophageal atresia repair to those who did not. So even after 80 years of the first repair by uh, Professor Hyde, there are some controversial clinical practices that are still existing in the management of esophageal atresia. They looked at six studies in the meta-analysis, uh, including a total of almost 500 patients and divided them between two groups, patients who did have a chest tube inserted after repair and those and the other group had did not have a chest tube inserted after repair. So a majority of these studies actually had a specific question of uh, insertion of the drain versus no drain. Uh, however, there was a degree of reporting bias because majority of these studies were not randomized. They looked at outcomes including anastomotic leak, pneumothorax, post-op, chest tube insertion, mortality, and return to the operating room and found that overall the outcomes are pretty similar between the two groups. The only outcome that showed a difference was returns to the operating room. So there was one of the uh, one of the analysis that surprised me that was uh, returned to the, re the reoperative visits to the OR. So uh, somehow that uh, was significantly higher in the group where the intercostal drain was inserted. And this result was mainly because of one of the studies which had higher uh, incidence of reoperative visits. You know, overall, the authors suggest that this evidence, you know, indicates that maybe chest tubes aren't necessary. They don't necessarily seem to cause any particular issue, but maybe they're not helping as much as we think they might be. As far as the current literature is concerned, there is no additional value of inserting a drain prophylactically. Very interesting, interesting article. I think that there's a lot, a lot, a lot to learn, and it's good to leave, to read these meta analyses because, um, you know, you get a summary of what's out there um, on the topic. And again, that's Dr. Lahe, the editor who chose the articles. I think this is one of those breakthrough studies. I think, you know, it's funny how the absolute trend in surgery is doing less, and we just keep finding we can do less and less and less. And um, 
I absolutely could be convinced to not leave a chest tube now. Now, I totally agree that we are finding, at least in esophageal atresia, that most of the things that we did, probably we are going to stop doing it in the next years. Totally agree, Cecilia. And Dr. Anand told us that they're actually working on a prospective study of patients in his hospital. So we'll have to look forward to seeing what those results show. I hope I'll be able to change the ideas of a few more surgeons in the next few years. Awesome. Well, those are two articles for this Monday morning. We had the article about fund application without esophagocrural sutures, a long-term follow-up, and then um, the the meta-analysis of papers looking at chest tube insertion after esophageal atresia repair. Stay tuned for more of these. We're going to try to start doing these every Monday, bringing you articles along with the infographics to keep you up to date. If you have any feedback, be sure to let us know wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, YouTube, in the app, wherever you're listening. Again, I'm Ellen Francisco. And I'm Sylvia Kikena. And this is the Stay Current Podcast. <laughs>